0: Wait a minute. Cut the music, baby. I want to speak from the heart right now. Tonight, a bit of rivalry gets renewed. Tonight, the Philadelphia Flyers visit Pittsburgh. And it wasn't that long ago that the Philadelphia Flyers brought hard times. Hard times to me and you and the Penguin family. I'm talking hard times, Daddy, when their backup goalie, Beach in game seven, and then opens up a sports bar right down the street, so you get reminded about it every time you drop past. That's hard times. When you sit there for five overtimes and you go home on the wrong end of the score because some career underachiever six a lucky shot and ends a coaching legend's career, that's hard times. When the greatest player ever scores a goal in his last game, and he scores in the game before that, but gets eliminated by them, that's our tax. When you go to their rink for 15 years, for 42 games, and you don't win once, and you get bamboozled, beat up, and made fun of, Daddy, that's our tax. You might think the Penguins got even in 2007 when they swept the season series. Eight straight. You might think the Penguins got even in 08 and 09 when they knocked the Flyers out the playoffs. No, you're wrong. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among thieves. There is no justice with criminals. When it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers, the Penguins can never get even enough. The only reason I want the Penguins to win in four is because you can't win in three, baby. You can't win in three. So reach out. I need you now. And remember, the thing that hurts the Flyers most, the thing that hurts Philadelphia most, it's like a knife to their gut. That's losing to the Penguins. That's losing to Pittsburgh, and it's going to happen. God bless. Hard Times brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. And that one, of course, is for the late, great American dream, Dusty Rhodes, daddy. 412-333-9939, the number to call. You got to win four games. Tonight's not the be-all, end-all. All end all but if the Penguins win tonight, going to be a lot easier to win Friday night. If the Penguins win both nights, I think the Flyers are going to go home, roll over, and die. I don't think the Flyers are a team that expects to win this series. I don't think the Flyers are a team that expect to win many games in this series. If the Penguins are flat tonight, if the Penguins are flat Friday... Then the Penguins can feed the Flyers some confidence, but I think that is what has to happen. I think that's the only way the Flyers stay in the series, is if the Penguins keep them in it. Let's go to John in Sacramento. John, you're on the Mark Madden show.
1: Hey, Mark. Uh, I
0: watched a video today. I thought was kind of funny. I was hoping you'd uh, entertain the hypotheticals for a moment. Um He was a Jamoke Toronto fan and was doing that NHL Bracket Challenge online. And he put his final matchup
1: as uh, Nashville and Pittsburgh and was was relating what would
0: happen there to what happened to Pittsburgh in 08 and 09 and predicted that Nashville would win. uh, Uh, Nashville might win. No, it's not hilarious. That is actually a very plausible scenario, John. How can you count Nashville a lot? How can you assume that Pittsburgh will be in the final? It's a long two months. And uh, if yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. and Nashville do play in the final, um, Nashville would be a tough nut to crack. That's a long way away. So I'm not going to say the Penguins won't do it. But before the playoff started, I said that Nashville was my pick to win it. And Nashville still is. So the scenario you describe is not at all laughable. And the comparison between 08 and 09 and Seventeen and eighteen. Well, let's hope it turns out to be inaccurate, but it is not at all laughable either. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on with Mark.
2: Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call, call Super G. Hey, um, uh, Flyers, I think a little bit overachieved this year. They had three players, you know, with their greatest seasons ever. They, you know, they basically career highs. Penguins were just, you know, get about their average, everything like that, and we still beat them. I don't think Drew and Couturier are going to be able to keep that pace up through the playoffs. What do you think? Uh,
0: Couturier went from being a checker to a 30-goal scorer, and you're accurate when you identify him as having had a career year. Uh, Gostas Bear and Provorov on defense had career years production-wise as well, and those are two pretty good defensemen back there. Um, I got to tell you, though, Giroux got 102 points. And That's a career can't high for deny, him. Yeah, He was tremendous. He was second in the league at scoring. But he moved from the money position to the easier position. He moved from center to left wing. Now, if he's having impact there, God bless him. It turned out to be a good move. But it's tougher to be a good center than it is to be a good winger. And the Flyers are kind of built around the wings offensively. And it's my experience that Stanley Cup playoff hockey is played a lot more down the middle. Then again, those guys don't skate up and down their wings like rod hockey players. I'm talking about Giroux, Voracek, the young kid, Wayne Simmons is so tough to deal with. He will be the thorn in the Penguins' side all series, but I expect Patrick Hornquist to be the thorn in the Flyers' side all series. Let's talk to Chris in Bridgeville. Chris, you're on with Double M. Thanks for
1: taking my call. I I just wanted to make a quick uh, comment about uh, two players I'm really excited to take a look at is – Kessel and, and Hornquist, both of them have been playing with so much energy and so much emotion, and they turn that emotion into production. And uh, like, especially with Kessel, I see him forechecking harder than ever, and uh, and all, all of this, like, especially watching Hornquist play, it's just such a joy.
0: Well, Phil's an accomplished playoff performer, and that just doesn't go for his time in Pittsburgh. That goes for when he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins. Uh, Phil's always been great come springtime and he's never going to hit much, never going to block many shots. Although I remember, was it last year or in 2016, he actually doubled his hits from the regular season to the playoffs. It's like Phil was on the, the WAR path. But, right. uh, yeah, those are two interesting guys to talk about because I agree, Chris, they bring a lot of energy uh, to the ice, but they do it in so very different ways. Uh, like I said about Hornquist, you go back to 2012, that series where the Penguins – you know, swallowed the Flyers' nonsense and uh, played down to their level. And naturally, if you do that, the team that initiates is going to be able to handle it better. But, uh, But Hornquist will counteract that. Not that I expect the Flyers to do that again. I mean, it's in their DNA. They'll stir the pot at some point. But Hornquist doesn't go to the net hard by way of retaliation. He does so organically. Hornquist doesn't bump the goalie by way of retaliation. He does so organically. Hornquist frustrates the opposition game in and game out. Shift in and shift out. So uh, I said in my column today in the Trib that Hornquist would be a major factor in this series against Philadelphia, and I certainly stand by that opinion. 412 333 at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to Mr. Media when it comes to Pittsburgh Penguins. He is Paul Steigerwald. We've got Dejan at the top of the hour. And by the way, uh, we're going old school today. Just like we substituted Hot Times for uh, Sick Again, making its triumphant return at 5 p.m. in place of the list, it is the Three eyes. It's true. It's damn true. And then if you missed the Sidney Crosby interview yesterday, we'll be playing it uh, near the end of the five o'clock hour as part of the Hockey Night Show. I'm Mark Madden live. At Buford's on 5th,
1: 105.9. This is Connor Sherry of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X.
0: Here's where the Flyers can't help themselves. Claude Giroux talked to the media today, and he said about the Penguins looking for third straight Stanley Cup, quote, it would be great to stop their little streak, unquote. Little streak. That's what Claude Giroux called the Penguins having won two straight Stanley Cups, a little streak. Yeah, quote. Uh, it is a little streak. Significant, but little. Two years. Two years, eight playoff series, and 32 playoff wins. Little streak. That is such a flyer thing to say. Uh, listen up, Junior. Forget the Penguins' little streak. Let's talk about a long and seemingly never-ending streak. 43 years. 43 years without a Stanley Cup. 1975 till now, 43 years. 15,659 days since the Flyers last won the Stanley Cup. That's not a little streak. That is endless, and it's embarrassing. What Giroux said, that's why they're the Flyers. That's why they suck. They can't help but say stuff like that. They're a team that acts like they're superior when they're not. They're a team that acts like they've won when they haven't, not in a long time. I'm glad uh, Giroux said it because it reminds us of what he and the Philadelphia Flyers are. And it makes me just reiterate that Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek and Shane gostas and whoever their goalie of the day is, and all the people who have played for the Flyers through the year, Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant, Reggie Leach, Fred Shiro, they can all kiss my ass in hell. 412-333-9939 is the number to call, Not not to be critical. Let's go to Taylor in the car. Taylor. You're on with double M. Double M. Super genius. What up, man? Hey, Taylor, what's up?
2: Not much. Uh, Wanted to get your opinion on who you're looking to. If the Pens are going to three-peat, who's your guy? A guy I'm taking a look at is if he can come back healthy early is Derek Broussard. He's Rutherford's all-in piece for this trade deadline. Um, He is a huge big-time playoff performer. Uh, what do you think about him and just anyone in general? It,
0: it depends, Taylor, what your expectations are for Derek Broussard. Uh, he obviously has a great playoff scoring record. I believe it's 55 points in 78 career playoff games. But he's not really put in a position to get a ton of points on the Penguins like he had been on his previous employers. Uh, he is on a line with Phil Kessel and Connor Sherry. He can get some points and even strength playing with those guys, but uh, going to have to play a lot of defense, too. Those wingers aren't really strong in their own zone, and and uh, Sherry, in particular, makes a lot of turnovers. But, uh, you know, he's a good playoff performer, proven. I'm just not sure what his role will turn out to be in this postseason. Then again, look at what Nick Benino put together points-wise a couple years back. Broussard's not going to get much power play time beyond the second unit, but uh, neither did Benino back when. So uh, I think Broussard has the potential to have a breakout playoff, but it really wouldn't be a breakout playoff because he's played so well in the postseason. My sleeper, and I talked about this with Mike Sullivan uh, yesterday, my sleeper, Zach Aston Reese. I think he has a playoff type of game. I think he can put together playoff type of production. He does so well in tight quarters, he could stick handle in a phone booth and make an opportunity out of nothing from down below the hash mark. So even though he's on the fourth line now, guys get hurt, Sully very often switches lines, I think that that Zach Aston Reese will wind up in a bigger role before the playoffs are over than uh, Aston Reese has now, and I really do believe he'll come through. Thank you for the call, Taylor. 412-333-9939. 412 Joining me uh, in just a few minutes is Mr. Meedy when it comes to the Penguins. And not just now, I'm talking about throughout their entire history, one of the most important figures in Pittsburgh hockey. I'm going to talk to Paul Steigerwald. And uh, today's the third show of the week, the third show I've done since we know the Penguins and Flyers are matched up in the first round. And still nobody's given me a legitimate edge the Flyers have in this series. Anywhere in the lineup, anywhere on the stat sheet, anywhere behind the bench, anywhere at all, nobody can come up with an edge the Flyers enjoy. Keith Jones of NBC says that Provorov and Gostas Bear uh, give the Flyers an edge on defense, that Philadelphia's defensive core is superior to Pittsburgh's, but I I don't see that. I think Philadelphia's top two defensemen are real good. I think their bottom four are pretty bad, and I don't think their bottom four has the speed to keep up with the Penguins in this particular matchup. Up next, we're going to talk to Paul Steigerwald. I'm Mark Madden. Come on down to Buford. We're giving away tickets down here, a couple pair. We'll tell you how you can win them when you get here. You're listening to 105.9 The X. This is Brian Newland of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden in the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now is Mr. Media when it comes to the history of the Penguins one of the most important figures in the history of Pittsburgh hockey. A pleasure to welcome to the show Paul Steigerwald. Uh, Steige, tell me how Philadelphia can win this series, because I don't see any way that could happen that wouldn't be a fluke.
1: Uh, I think uh, for them to win the series would mean that the Penguins uh, did not play well defensively uh, and that the Flyers finished their chances to the extent that they got the Penguins... Um, into a kind of game that is volatile, where they might find themselves on the wrong end of scores. Uh, and, you know, the only way that that's going to really prevail is if um, Brian Elliott plays really well and, you know, outplays Matt Murray. Uh, and, and the reason that, I guess, is a possibility is because I do think Murray will be tested, maybe more than he was in any series up to this point. Uh, that the Penguins have played with Murray in goal, simply because I don't think the Penguins are necessarily as stout defensively as they were over the last couple of years. So I think Murray will be asked to maybe do a little bit more than what he's done in terms of making saves on more great scoring chances. So I see it being something that could turn into a scoring type of a situation where maybe the Penguins just find themselves, even though there's no – Reasonable, um, way that you could expect the Penguins to be outscored by anybody. Uh, it, it, can, it comes down to who's making the saves.
0: Now, if you're either coach, how much are you worried about line matchups? For example, will Sid play against Giroux and, and which coach would want that?
1: Well, Giroux plays left wing now. So it's, it's, you know, Couturier is the center on that line. So it does kind of change the dynamic. That's the top line of the Flyers. The Penguins have always put Sid against the top line of the opposition. And I think it's an interesting question because in the past, when the Penguins played the Flyers, Kenny Malkin was checked by Couturier, and then Giroux was the top centerman that went up against Sid. So now you've got Couturier and Giroux on the same line. So in that respect, that's a tough question to answer, but I would guess that it will be Sidney Crosby's line against Couturier and Giroux simply because it's usually first line against first line when the Penguins play their opponents.
0: Is there any connection in the series between these two teams uh, that was played in 2012?
1: I see no connection other than the fact that maybe Claude Giroux and uh, Wayne Simmons, and, you know, guys who were part of that series kind of may have an idea in their heads about how they'd like to play against the Penguins. Or they, they may feel like, well, that was successful, you know, then maybe it can be again. And, you know, I don't really know if, if that's valid. I, I You know, that would be the only connection I could see, just the fact that they had success playing a certain way in the past, and they may try to rekindle that a little bit.
0: Well, But this is a different Penguin team, wouldn't you agree? Only three guys left from that 2012 team, and those guys have done pretty well playing under pressure since then. Oh Well, my son has completely
1: changed their mindset in that regard. I mean, you know, that was a real problem for the Penguins, not only in 2012, but again – against the Bruins a year later, uh, you know, they, they had issues uh, with, with being uh, easily, um, you know, rattled. And, and you know, I, I think Mike Sullivan, that whole just play mantra that the Penguins had was was real and it was effective. And I don't know that they have to, re, you know, go back to that. I mean, I, I think that they get it now. So in that respect, I think they've, you know, turned the corner, you know, and I don't think that could be an issue ever again.
0: You know, Stoggy, I want to get back to Claude Giroux for just a second because back in 2012 we had to hear that Horseman Nor from Laviolette that Giroux uh, was the best player in hockey. One of the idiots who covers the Flyers talked about Giroux taking the baton from Crosby in that series. And now that the guy has 102 points in a season and finished second in the league in scoring, we're not hearing about him. It's funny. He's a better player now, but he's more under the radar, isn't he?
1: It's really um, kind of peculiar, isn't it? And I think um, what it does is when you have people hyping players like that and saying things that aren't necessarily realistic and, and are, are, you know, hyperbole, I, I think what ends up happening is people s- stop listening to that crap and then they forget, you know, the, re- the real aspect, which is that he is a really good player. No, he's not the best player in the world, but Claude Giroux is a great player and uh, I give him a lot of credit for what he did this year because he changed positions, which, you know, I even asked him today, point blank. I said, if I had said to you three years ago, you're going to have to play left wing instead of center, what would you have said? And he said, you know, I played wing before in junior, So I, I know I'm familiar with the position. He goes, uh, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, worth trying. I, 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 I thought I'd do whatever was necessary. And, you know, it just worked out perfectly for the Flyers because they were able to get Couturier into a, top-line role in the middle and really find out that that guy had a lot of latent offensive ability that's really come through this year. So you put the two of those two guys together, and you got something there. a a bit of a French connection, isn't it? And uh, so I think Giroux really has sort of cemented himself as really one of the premier elite players in the league. And, you know, it doesn't matter if he's the greatest player. And that was just crap. You know, the fact is he's a really, really good player.
0: We're talking to Paul Steigerwald here on the Home of the Penguins 105.9 The X. Uh, Stogie, were you there today when Giroud talked about stopping the Penguins' "quote unquote" little streak? Because I saw a video of it, and I have got to tell you, it came off as incredibly condescending.
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of dumb. I mean, I don't think. Well, Claude's a great player, but I don't know if he, you know, how smart he is with, with stuff like that. You know, I, I didn't see it. Uh, you know, it is kind of stupid to to uh, refer to that as a little streak. They seem to be downplaying the greatness of the Penguins, uh, call them a good team and that kind of thing. I, you know, listen, I, I'm not too caught up in this winning the third cup right now either. I, I think it's dangerous. You know, the cup is the reward. It's not the goal. You know, you got to do all the little things on the way to get there. The Penguins understand that. It's, uh, it's, it's people like the media and marketing people, people like that, that like to focus on winning a third straight cup. But to be honest with you, that's, not something that really I think the players have in their minds at all. I think that realistically they're focused on each shift, each game, just as Mike Sullivan says they are, because if they're not, that's a problem.
0: Keith Jones of NBC, who's an next flyer says the pe- the Flyers have a better defensive core than Pittsburgh. Now, I like Gostas Baron-Proverov, Stagy, but I-, I don't like the Flyers' bottom four. How would you compare the defensemen on these two teams?
1: Well, I think uh, Ole is very underrated. People don't give him a lot of credit. I saw him walking out of the building today, and I thought, man, this guy's he's got good size. He really carries himself a little, with great professionalism. He's a very intelligent person and player. And I, I think Ole Mat is really kind of under the radar as a, as a really, really good defenseman in the National Hockey League. So I really like him. I think Dumoulin, you know, has proven that he can really play in a high-stakes environment, play extremely well. He's able to move the puck. He gets back to pucks. You know, and and I so I I think those two players are are really good. Chris Letang has a chance to be great again. You know, hopefully he can play at a higher level than he's played or more consistently uh, in the postseason. But you know, the Flyers are inexperienced back there. I mean, I think they can say all they want about their talent, but Provorov got very little or a no playoff experience. You have guys that uh, you know are, are are gifted offensively, but I don't know how good they are defensively. So. I'm not, and, and you know, Radko Gudis is a, is a, is a guy who can stir the pot and, and create some problems, but I think he's somewhat limited in terms of mo, uh, mobility. He can shoot the puck, so watch out for that. Every now and then he'll shoot a puck from the point and he'll go in. So be careful for that. But, um, I, I don't, I don't see Sandheim and those guys as being guys that are still, uh, qualified to be referred to as better than the Penguin defense because the Penguin defense have won two Stanley
0: Cups. Do the Penguins have an extra gear, Stiggy? Did they save something for the playoffs during the regular season? I wonder about that because, you know, you hear talk about flipping the switch. And normally I dismiss it, but I thought the Penguins had kind of an ordinary regular season. Well, the Penguins' season is divided up into different sections, in
1: my opinion. It was the first half that was just kind of a malaise. Uh, If you want to call it a hangover, whatever you want to call it, the Penguins just weren't buying into it needing to be playing with any urgency. Uh, and, and you know, so once the first of the year came along, they really started to put it together. And if you look at their numbers, Mark, they were, I think, the best team in the league from January 1st to the trading deadline. But then after the trading deadline, the numbers changed dramatically. Their penalty killing was horrible. Uh, their goals against uh, went up and their goals four came down. So they haven't been the same team since the trading deadline that they were from January 1st until the trading deadline. So I'm having a tough time kind of getting my arms around what this team is right now. And I think we're going to find out starting tonight if the Penguins, I don't know if I flip the switch, but if they can get back to looking like the team that they were in January and February, uh, you know, where they were really scoring five goals a game almost and allowing two and a half.
0: Two players who get discussed a lot on this show and shows like it are Matt Murray and Chris Letang. What are your expectations for them in these playoffs?
1: Well, I know Matt Murray is a, is a, is a competitor. I know he has he's mentally strong. Uh, I know that he has a calming effect on the team. All the things that he did in the first two years to win the cup, he, he can still do. He still. Ca- why would he not be capable of that? So he's absolutely capable of it. The biggest question I have is going back to early in this interview is where how he's going to handle if he's facing you know scoring opportunities he's not used to seeing or numbers of scoring chances that maybe he didn't face those first two years. You go back to 16, the Scott totals were really low against Murray. But he made those key saves. A scoring chance would come out of nowhere, and he would, he would make the save. Uh, I, I think the Penguins have been prone to give up more scoring chances like that than they did previously. So he's going to have to make more big saves. Um, and as for who was the other player you asked about, Latang? I think Chris Letang. Is, I think Letang's uh, – Game is so instinctive. I think when he thinks too much, he gets into trouble. And I think in the playoffs, uh, the, the intensity is ratcheted up so much that I think players do play with a little bit more recklessness and a little bit more instinctive play just because of the nature of the, of the games. I would think that that would help Letang. I, I, I would think he would play better in this environment
0: that he's played all year. I would agree with that, and it reminds me of a quote that uh, I got from Matt Murray when he appeared on this show last week. Matt Murray said the game simplifies a lot in the playoffs, and I think that would benefit Latang too. I
1: absolutely think that. And, uh, but, you know, the other thing is Latang plays with this, like, fierce intensity in the playoffs. If you look back at, like, that game six, his last game he played, you know, in game six in San Jose uh, in the playoffs, he was just at another level of intensity. Look at the look on his face when he and Sidney Crosby teamed up for that uh, Clinton goal in game six. In San Jose, he was unbelievable. And and if he can get back to that kind of level of intensity, I think he's going to be fine. As far as, you know, the the playoff-type games being simplified, I think what happens in the playoffs is because you're playing the same team every night, you start to learn the tendencies of your opposition. It's different. So players start sticking to one another over the course of a series. That's why most playoff series aren't high-scoring, and they aren't volatile like that one between the Penguins and the Flyers back in 2012. I think it's because players really kind of learn the tendencies of their opponents. They start to, you know, become better defensive players just because they know what to expect. And that goes for both teams. And I, I think that's why people say it's simpler. I, I I think your your job is pretty well defined. Make those tough plays on the wall. Get pucks out. Get pucks deep. Block shots. Hit when you have a chance to bump a guy. Take a piece of him. You know, all the things that are basic elements of hockey. And then you just let that intensity and, you know, the crowd and, and the fact that you, there's no tomorrow, that desperation kind of take over.
0: Given the Penguins' goaltending situation, certainly Casey DeSmith isn't quite the backup Marc-Andre Fleury was, and given that Murray is perceived to be brittle, Steige, do you think the Flyers are going to try to run Murray? Uh, that's certainly in their DNA to do that. Without
1: a doubt. They are going to try to make life miserable for Matt Murray. If that results in an injury... It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, just, you know, Wayne Simmons is a guy who goes to the net. I think you'll see some, a couple of those fourth line guys doing that. And, uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they're in Matt Murray's kitchen a lot. The, the one player that no one talks about, they talk about Gino and Sid and Kessel and Latang and Murray is Patrick Hornquist. To me is such a vital piece of this process for the Penguins. And I think I don't really think he's the most important player right now for the Penguins in terms of bringing that intensity every night and, and just creating havoc and scoring big goals. And to me he personifies everything that the Penguins have been the last two years. He was Jim Roth the first first acquisition. I think that Hornquist and Haglin are two players I would watch closely in this series and in the playoffs because the Penguins have lost Colin and Kunitz and uh, Benino and some key guys who were leaders in that room and it's gonna be up to guys like Hornquist and Haglin and Russ. You know Connor Sherry, for that matter, uh, to kind of carry the torch for those guys.
0: Finally, Stogie, talk about how much you hate the Flyers because you've been around the Penguins forever, like me. I look at that logo and I just want to puke. I I know you probably <laughs> won't verbalize it exactly like that, but come on, you hate the Flyers too, right? I think everybody hates the Flyers in Pittsburgh. I hate the
1: Flyers. Um, you know, m- mostly because I think that they, you know get away with stuff that they shouldn't you know I I've always kind of felt like for some reason they got some kind of favoritism in the league and I don't know why that was but when Ed Snyder was was alive and uh they were you know committing crimes against players they seemed to be able to get away with it I just always felt like they got some kind of favored treatment I don't know if I was just dreaming that because I'm a Penguins supporter but that was kind of how I felt and I think the Flyers do uh Tend to foment a certain feeling of disdain that uh, no other team can foment, and I think it starts with the way they approach things in their building. If you go to their arena; their fans are nasty, man. I just had somebody telling me last night they went to games in other cities, but when they went there, they were literally scared in the in the seats. You know, and that, that's that's the way the people are down there, and it's just not a it's it's it's, it's a kind of environment that creates hatred and i think that's why penguin fans hate flyers and well tom, hate McMillan, flyers.
0: tom mcmillan said it best he said one time that the penguins environment is family friendly and the flyers serve red meat to carnivores <laughs>
1: that's a, well leave it to tom to come up with a perfect uh, metaphor <laughs> and uh, bring it down to the essence because that's basically true
0: Stinky, great stuff thank you so much for taking the time we'll see you at the rink in just a little bit Thanks for having me, Mark. Take care and enjoy the playoffs.
1: I know you will, and let's get together soon. I want to talk to you about the history of fandom in Pittsburgh for one of our TV
0: nope. episodes, okay? No problem. Glad to do it. That's Paul Stagel, and I'm Mark Madden. I'm live at Buford's on 5th. We got Dejon at the top of the hour. And like I said, we're going old school with the three eyes instead of the list. That's at 5 o'clock. Bob McGlock, up next, 105.9. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on One on 105.9 The X. Joined out by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, this just in, Forbes Magazine published uh, how much each team made last year in Major League Baseball. The Pirates profited, profited $35 million last year and then didn't sign a single major league free agent during the offseason, I think that is all the people need to know.
2: Mark, that is absolutely all the people need to know. Although, I know you've discussed this in years past, Mark, but what is Forbes magazine to the financial world? You know, who are they to say what the Pirates made?
0: Yeah, Dejan always says, well, you can't believe (laughs) Forbes magazine. Meanwhile, it's the financial bible in, in America. Yeah, and that's why I can't get excited about the Pirates 8-2 start. I know there are all these ninnies out there who say, I'm going to go to baseball games no matter what. I'm a Pittsburgher. My wife likes it. My kids like it. I'm a Pirate fan. Well, then go ahead. But understand where your money's going because it's not going to build a champion. It's going right into the pockets of the hillbilly prince
2: yeah it 's unfortunate that that 's the narrative right now mark but it 's nobody 's fault except for the people in the office building down there at pNC Park. Um, you know it would be great if people could just talk about how well the team is off to a good start this year, but it, it you can 't because you can 't separate it from stuff like this coming out in forbes magazine thirty five I understand you have to make you 're allowed to make some money owning a major league team or a professional sports team. I didn't think it was going to be 35 million. Even with the 51 mil that they got from the electronic media thing last year, Mark, I still didn't think it would be 35. I mean, the way the team is run, they're like pulling purse strings down there and 35. That's, that's going to be tough for some pirate fans to swallow.
0: Like I said, especially uh, with not having signed a major league free agent in the offseason. The only MLB team not to do so, by the way. Bob, I've been asking for the last three days. For people to give me a reason that the Flyers can beat the Penguins. To give me one edge that Philadelphia enjoys over Pittsburgh. And Joe tweets, the 93 Islanders had no edge over the Penguins either. And I'm not sure I liked hearing that. Thanks a lot, Joe. And, and, And that is something to remember. That the Penguins were on a run of two straight cups then. And played the Islanders in the second round. The Penguins were heavily favored. And the Islanders won in seven games.
2: Yeah, uh, that's the only thing, Mark. You've had Mike Long on this show long enough that I hearken back to many a conversation between you and him talking about how crazy the game of hockey can be. And, you know you got to win four but sometimes just the how nuts this game is you get a bounce here you get a bounce there you get an injury and all of a sudden the team that's not even supposed to be in it has four wins under their belt i don't see that happening in this round because i, I can't think of any serious advantage or any any advantage at all that the flyers have over the penguins um you and Paul Steigerwald talking about Wayne Simmons and some of the other Flyers taking a run at uh, Matt Murray and maybe some ill effects coming out of that. That's the worst-case scenario. I can see the Flyers trying to do that. Uh, hopefully, though, the Pens take the matter into their own hands and they, uh, they keep that from happening.
0: Bob, i got to tell you, though, when you compare that 93 Islanders team to this Philadelphia team, this Philadelphia team is probably better. I mean, the Islanders had Glenn Healy in goal. He was a journeyman, but he played great in that series. Maybe Brian Elliott will play great in this series. Uh, Pierre Turgeon had 58 goals that year for the Islanders, but you'll recall he was hurt in the round prior and was not available to play against the Penguins. Uh, their leading scorer for that was a guy named Steve Thomas, and then Derek King after that. And Let me assure you, they do not compare to Claude Giroux and, and Jacob Voracek. So, finally uh somebody after three days came up with a way to worry me uh, about this series with philadelphia although i'm still picking the penguins in five
2: legitimately worry you though or just is that kind of a concern it's in the back of your mind or is it legit worry my worry
0: is you can't lose to these guys <laughs> you can lose to whoever else you can't lose to these guys
2: i agree and look i i think gostas May is a great Bear bears a great offensive defenseman um but this the, the the Flyers have got their problems on defense, also. I think that just the way the Penguins have played lately, they this isn't. I hope it's the January Penguins or the early February Penguins that come to play in the playoffs. And I don't think it would be much to dial that up and get that team. Uh, but even if it's not, I just think that the goaltending, the defense of the Flyers is suspect enough that if the Penguins play most of their game, if they, quote, get to most of their game, that should be enough to handle the Flyers. Well, don't
0: invoke invoke Dan Biles, Bob, because that just doesn't help. Uh, Claude Giroux talked about ending the Penguins, quote, unquote, little streak, and it couldn't have come off as more condescending, (laughs) and that just shows where the Flyers can't help themselves. They they have stupidity in their DNA, and, boy, for a guy on a team that's not won a cup in 43 years, to talk about a – Two-year Stanley Cup run being a little streak. If nothing else, he's got massive balls.
2: He does, and I think that's just, you know, that's his attitude. You know, I think that, yeah, he does hate the Penguins. Uh, even Sid, you know, saying a couple of years back, I don't like them, I don't like anything about them, I don't like any of them. That's what these two teams bring out in each other. You've got guys who give these bland answers, you know, or just the facts, ma'am answers all throughout the season, and then they meet in the first round, game one, round one of the playoffs. And, you know, they're just letting it spell out a little bit. I think that's what happened with Giroux, but I think that that's just his nature. Uh, he can be so douchey when the time is appropriate.
0: Up next, we've got the three eyes going old-school Kurt Angle. And after that, I-, I don't know where he is, but we expect to have Dejan Kovacevic on. I'm Mark Madden, live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. It's the Penguins and Flyers tonight. Game one, hear all the action on 105.9 The X.